Hello, dear friend. This is Larry Swartz, minister, retired now from Unity of Tucson, uh, continuing with a uh, sharing podcast here uh, of uh, a, a new look at an old god. I almost said my cat was joining me, but my cat jumped down, so it's just me right now. Here we go within today's sharing, entitled Sin. And I have added the words evil, turpitude, depravity, immorality, just to make sure you know what I'm talking about. Sin, a definition, an immortal act considered to be a transgression against divine law. Says who? What if there weren't any sin, or at least what if there weren't or isn't any, as usually defined by a religious body or similar? What if the whole subject originated from a long time ago, long, long, when most probably a singular someone formulated what we today call theology that evolved to include, oh, so many things, that was based on two major points. First, an anthropomorphic deity who was easily offended, very capricious in nature, and who vacillated widely between love and hate, love and fear. Secondly, and resting upon the first point, someone's need for power, initially established and then unfolding access to it by those subscribing to its legitimacy. Why? For control over anyone who could be convinced that they and they alone were the legitimate interpreters of this deity and would pronounce any different view as anathema. Why? Then as now, follow not just the power trail, but the money trail. Upon what was this theology based? Well, today we might use separation and fear, and I would add manipulation, so as to enhance a platform of power from which a world of shallow thinkers might be manipulated. Perhaps in the beginning this theology of sin was generated from within an honest agenda of discovery. But regardless, it was based upon a very human platform that couldn't see beyond its self-serving and spiritually ignorant nose. Then and now, supporting definitions are rampant and include a sweeping definition of an all-powerful deity existing behind the unfolding definitions, rules, and laws that along the way seemed logical, only to then be woven into this chaotically unfolding scenario. The template for this deity? Why, only the self, whose tendencies and self-accepting predispositions included such acts that were now given such words as evil, sin, turpitude, depravity, immorality, and more. What other template could there have been? It was and is a classic definition of a deity made in the image and likeness of man. In this backward evolution, the nature of this deity, uh, talked about a little bit more concisely within the recent sharing, God, was made in the image likeness of man and given description and definition within these nouns, some of which are now often used as adjectives, as in sinfulness. 
However, and in a strike of uncharacteristically cleverness and, and notably later added to by writers on the scene of this initially loosely organized theology, religion in its infancy, a path away from this sinful nature would be now made available through what this writer calls a brilliant marketing tool that stated that all offensive acts would be forgiven if supplication and allegiance would be begged from his only son who, as the song states, was born now to die. His only son entered upon the stage. Why? Well, for the apparent and sole purpose of suffering a painful death and placating an obviously unforgiving and even angry God. And the scenario continues up to this day, and this totally illogical, at least to me, story of original sin is proliferated and strengthened within the emotional tools of guilt and remorse. So which came first? Since Genesis was written about halfway through the timeline of the writing of what we call today the Old Testament, a conceptual birth of sin, evil, depravity, etc., needed a pen to be put on parchment so as to underscore the theology that was unfolding and being taught. None of today's Bible is in chronological order, but was placed as canon by various consuls, the first gathering in A.D. 170. This was tweaked by several more consuls, the last being the consul of Carthage in A.D. 397. The church, quote-unquote, was very interested in protecting their investment in control. So where it was agreed upon that this new writing should rest within canon? Well, obviously at the beginning, notwithstanding that it was written much later than any historical point of beginning and for the sole purpose of authenticating a growing web of theology. Sole purpose and only. I can almost hear the conversations <clears throat> within the various consuls. Quote, they, then mostly the illiterate followers, they are actually believing this? End of quote. Yet, questions and challenges remain. So then the discussion might have been, how can we once and for all time add another layer of support so as to remove all question as to why what we say to be sin, etc., needs a structure that, of course, can be provided by us, that promises forgiveness and salvation and hence maintain our superiority within the system, within the church. Why, the book of Genesis was authored and inserted in the beginning of what today is canon or the accepted sequence and content of the Bible. Now, we have the sequence of how choices were made that were not pleasing to God, and it was is called original sin. Today the Genesis story is told over and over again so as to support why everyone needs to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It is also used for another control purpose, as this unfolding theology promises a very warm and unhappy place for those who do not. Again, says who? By this time, as this sharing is unfolding 
and hopefully yet being listened to by you, one of many things has happened. Perchance, for some, these words have not been reached because this writing was called illogical or worse, a paragraph or so long ago just wasn't accepted. If you are still with me, you may have at least been intrigued by what might be a new logic. Or just maybe, your belief system doesn't find any disagreement with his writers, with his speakers, unfolding thesis and article. Whatever the case, stick with us. We continue. My thesis includes the thought that if there existed or now exists a celestial definition, the word concepts of sin, evil, etc., would not be found within its pages. Shock? Why? Because the essence that is called God or source is only self-aware, acknowledging nothing but its own essence. It cannot look or seek elsewhere for a few reasons. It cannot because anything that is held within the mind of this creating activity is then, by definition, forever and real, capital R. Why? The reality that is God is forever, and in keeping with this, uh, with this uh, sharing's thesis, something that is forever. And therefore, sin, depravity, etc., would be elevated to and inseparable from its very nature, meaning forever. We cannot have it both ways and switch back and forth between then for convenience of when we are talking with whomever or trying to make whatever point that is different. The energy that we call God is either love or its first and second cousins, or sin and its first and second cousins, not even remotely possible. And now, a disclaimer. The tool used by speakers and our writers is words and words with their semantic choices can easily be seen as reinforcing the existence of an anthropomorphic deity that exists somewhere out there and having a similar range of emotions as do we. To be clear, I believe in God as the one presence, one power, and as an omnipresent energy. While often almost unavoidably referenced as he or similar, is genderless and without form or shape until we see and experience its reality in and through and as us. That's an important point. Therefore, sin, etc., having no meaning whatsoever to the infinite, call God what we may. It does, however, appear to have levels of meaning within the human structure of our lives as we presently know it to be. An example might be found within the principle of mathematics, as we also equate the infinite with principle, of whom we just said, quote, knows, unquote, nothing about the actions that we are now calling sin, knowing only its own self. Within this example, everything and everyone this writer knows agrees that within a base 10 numbering system, 1 plus 1 equals 2. Let's assume this is always true, wherever we can therefore be found. This answer of two is the correct answer, be it happening in Tucson or in a galaxy that is yet to be discovered. 
a long time ago and far, far away. Therefore, if we stand on the street corner and proclaim with a loud voice that one plus one equals seven, it can be said by some that we are sinning against the eternal principle that knows the only answer is two. However, it doesn't care. Why? Because the only answer it knows to be real isn't impacted by ignorance. True, God doesn't care. But our bank does, as well as computers and our child's teachers. Here and everywhere within our lives, the answer for seven, for the sum of one plus one, will result in a metaphysical equivalent application of sin. These results from one's acceptance that seven is the correct answer for one plus one may manifest minimally as possibly having less money in our checking account than we thought we should have. At the other extreme, it might even result in a prison sentence from the application of a Ponzi scheme mathematics where the people are convinced that two plus two is indeed seven or some other erroneous information. For the purpose of this sharing, we can now tone down the harsher words of uh, sin, evil, turpitude, depravity that we have used in this sharing. For most certainly continues to be heard, these words are, from many grand pulpits from people wearing grand vestments whose motives are questionable, naive, or ignorant, as his or her hearers equate such with the nature of God. However, throughout the years, many have questioned at least part of this almost sacrosanct liturgy, theology, and process, and some have paid dearly for it. In 1613, Galileo was sentenced to death for questioning the science of the Roman Church. His sentence was later changed to house arrest, and yet it wasn't until 1992 that the church officially forgave him. Martin Luther questioned at least a portion of the self-serving theology that condemned by it. Joan de Arc was burned at the stake for questioning the chain of hierarchical command and authority. Charles Fillmore, co-founder Unity, fared better for his heretical thoughts, saying that he didn't need to go through anyone to find truth, and that if a God existed, that he, Charles, would go straight to headquarters for insight and answers. All New Thought writers from Emerson through Quimby and beyond expressed thinking that only a short few years earlier would have been sufficient for imprisonment or worse. Thankfully, things are getting better. Yet today, tune into various mindsets and the pronouncements of sin, etc. They are alive and well as is the punishment for them from a God that, in truth, has never existed, nor could never exist. Again, I proclaim, says who? The need for power and control is alive and well, and not too far separated from pronouncements that once made upon Galileo are not uncommon. And yet, if spoken, always spoken to by they who know not, and know not that they know not. Initialized this theory within this sharing, and I would say to you then, internalize this thesis idea more deeply. 
All of the fearsome words that draw forth anxiety and guilt in the minds and hearts of anyone who has given way to another, the right to know their true God identity, are bogus. Perhaps various laws and set forth from levels of our government have addressed certain acts and activities are called wrong and criminal. But no richly clothed clergy standing behind a lofty pulpit and the God authority to speak save of love, acceptance, and joy. Forgiveness, if necessary, but not the type of forgiveness emitting from on high, for from on high there is nothing to forgive. Words fail to describe accurately the nature and identity of the source we call God, but writers and poets must try. Love comes as close as I can imagine, yet then the question is fielded, what is that? Within poetic license, it is an itch in the heart that can't be scratched. Yet love is what I insist on calling a pronoun for God. Out of what and which did love create? Why, only its essence, for there is nothing else. Catch that. There is nothing else. If you, the listener, can stop for a moment, go within this truth or later in the day. If this is true, it will again also respond to you. So how about you? You were and are created out of this source, and it, knowing its own self, did not, cannot, implant within the innermost core of your oneness other than what it is. God or love, it is only what it is. A somewhat convoluted sentence. Said another way, God can only know its own creation, its own reality, and you have created, are created by and out of it. It is who you are, and you are it. God in you, God through you, and God as you. Don't sell this truth cheaply to they who know not, and know not that they know not. Normally accepted, Definition of sin, we quoted earlier, an immortal act considered to be a transgression against divine law. Says who? If the word has any meaning whatsoever, it speaks to a choice in life, sin, that didn't produce an effect that was our liking. It is similar to an old English archer's term by the same name that simply means missing the target or missing the bullseye. So within our hopes, dreams, plans, desires, and similar, we have all missed, we have all sinned many times, but none has impacted our oneness, our connection with God or Source, and none have ever fallen short of the glory of God within us, through us, and as us. Yes, we can lose sight of it, perhaps, but that is always temporary and not forever. Within this eternal relationship of oneness, there isn't anything we can do to mess anything up or to cause the source that created us to sense displeasure. Why? Since we are the extensions of this reality, it would then have to turn on its own self. And this can never be done. Fret not, beloved listener. You and your eternalness are right on course. The essence of pure being, God, first cause, cannot be anything other than what it is 
in and through you and as you. In my vocabulary, a pronoun for this essence is love. Trust this. It is who and what you are. Join me again in a week for my next sharing, evil, what it is and what it isn't. Then, if it is wisdom for you, and only if it is wisdom, consider making a PayPal gift to my happy effort to share with you Unity's logical understanding of life. You are deeply blessed.